Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. I want you guys to, while we're waiting, turn your Bibles uh, open to uh, Philemon, the book of Philemon, Philemon, which is right after the book of Titus, right before the book of Hebrews. Okay, we're going to be jumping into that tonight a little bit. But before we do, I want to share with you guys a couple announcements that we have. Number one, uh, stay tuned, stay tuned to the Life Story Church social media uh, page, the uh, uh, Facebook page in particular, the Life Story Church group page. If you're not in there yet, send a request to that. Um, if you're not on the email list yet, send an email list uh, to uh, 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 the web, through the website, lifestorychurch.com. We want to keep you guys informed and up to date on where we're going to be meeting. So uh, as you know from last week, we've, we have, uh, uh, the Lord has blessed us with two different incredible places to meet. We've been meeting all through the summer uh, and into the fall at the Rowood Retreat at the beautiful outdoor chapel. But as the weather is getting, uh, as the weather is getting colder and it's raining more, uh, we were worried what we were going to do, but the Lord has come through, and we've got uh, the uh, Rutledge West where we meet on days like that. So we're going to wait to make a call a couple days because, honestly, if it is beautiful, uh, we would love to continue to be at the retreat as much as we can because once the weather turns on us, it's pretty much turned on us. So we're going to wait till probably Friday to make that call, so stay tuned in and plugged into the social media and like I said if you're not if you're not on the email list make sure that you send us your email address through lifestorychurch.com you can just email us there at the contact us tab so you can get the emails because every week we send an email out that tells us tells you where we'll be what's going on all the different events that are happening we also have uh, uh, I'm happy to announce that we're going to be having a serve day this Saturday at the Rowwood retreat uh, they're getting really close to finishing the job that they're doing, siding the bunkhouse and painting. So if you want to come help paint, if you want to come help finish siding, that's going to be uh, at, uh, on Saturday, this coming Saturday. Uh, they start out there about 9 a.m. So 9 a.m. is the start time. But if you can't be there right at 9, come anyway. If you can't come till 11, come at 11. But we try to target uh, uh, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in that area so we can get as much done throughout the day. But I say that just so you know. Uh, you're not discouraged from coming just if you have something that's uh, in the way early on in the day. So uh, with that, are we ready to go, media team? We've got the media shout lined up and it's casting and all that. Uh, YouTube is down. YouTube is down. That's not us. That's gotcha. YouTube. Are we broadcasting on Facebook right now? Yes. yes. Are we on Facebook? Should we take a should we take a vote on the uh, on the uh, video and the Facebook page and say should we wait for our YouTube friends or should we go? YouTube's being funny these days. Funny things are happening with YouTube. So, all right, guys. Well, in that case, let's just begin. Uh, you know, we recently wrapped up a couple uh, different sermon series uh, that focused on what scholars. 
would call the, the pastoral epistles of Paul. Uh, the first series was Our Blessed Hope. The second series was uh, Famous Last Words, uh, which we finished up two weeks ago. <clears throat> In those sermon series, we covered all of his pastoral epistles, but there's one letter that we didn't cover, and it's a short little letter that Paul wrote to uh, Philemon. And not surprisingly, it's one that I believe is relevant to us uh, in regards to the place that our nation finds itself in today. Uh, the themes of this short letter are simple, yet, uh, yet they cover a lot of ground, uh, from slavery and freedom to love and duty. Can I actually see that graphic I've got in there? From slavery and freedom to love and duty. You know, a quick review, a quick review uh, uh, overview, I should say, of this letter reveals uh, that a slave named uh, Onesimus has run away from his master in Colossae. As an outlaw, he finds Paul, who is imprisoned in Rome, and of course, Paul, what, is, what does he do? What he always does. He leads him to salvation through faith in Jesus. Now, his master is a Christian and an acquaintance of Paul's, all right? Paul thusly writes Philemon, the master, a letter from jail, okay? Now, I know a lot of you uh, ha have been in Facebook jail lately, so I know you can identify, Ray. I'm looking at you, Ray. All right. Uh, before we begin, though, I want to start in prayer, so let's do that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the way that you love us, Lord. We thank you that you never give up on us, Lord Jesus. We ask that you'd see our hearts tonight as we gather. We gather in your name, even though we're gathering online in this digital room. Lord, we're gathering together in your name, in the name of Jesus. So we ask that you would be glorified tonight through this study, be glorified tonight through our interactions, and just have your way with this. We ask that, that this message, this sermon, uh, that has you have given me through the Holy Spirit, Father, that it would just be a seed in the hearts and the minds of your people, a seed for encouragement in the days that we are in. Encouragement in the days that we are in, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So the title of tonight's sermon, if you haven't seen it online, if you are by chance watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on the podcast, um, the title of the sermon is simply this. Can we see the graphic? Times that try men's souls. And how true is that? I, I just, I didn't make this graphic. I, well, I kind of did, but I, I overlaid some stuff. But I took pieces of this picture and I just loved the praying hands with the, the stars and the stripes. These are indeed time, times that try men's souls indeed. So make that header on your notes if you're a note taker. But before we begin tonight, we need to make a couple points, okay? We need to make a couple points on slavery, okay? Many might initially balk at the idea uh, that Philemon could be both a Christian and a slave owner, okay? <clears throat> People often say this about the founding fathers as well, don't they? We have to understand, church, that change often comes slowly when a problem is institutionalized into a culture, okay? Many of the loudest voices speaking against slavery in the first Congress owned slaves. Jefferson, Washington, 
just to name a couple, right? Yet slavery would not have been undone without their contributions. And that's just the truth of the matter. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting paradigm, isn't it? Let's take a look at this graphic concerning slavery in the time that we're studying tonight, slavery in the Roman Empire. Slavery, estimates suggest that there were more than 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, men and women bought and sold like merchandise. It is estimated that half were Christians. Can you wrap your mind around that? Get the back, this is an important backdrop of the New Testament, by the way, guys. 30 million, a slave sold for 500 denarii, that's their coin. One denarii was one day's wages for a common worker. An educated and skilled slave would be sold for as much as 50,000 denarii. So 50,000 days work for a common worker, wow. So a master could free a slave, or a slave could buy his freedom if he could raise the money, which is unlikely, but still. If a slave ran away, the master would register his name and description on a wanted list. The law permitted the master to execute rebellious slaves. Imagine that. So as we study, imagine the punishment that this runaway slave is thinking of anyway. Uh, some masters were cruel, but many were reasonable. The slave was an expensive piece of property, and it would cost the owner much to lose him, all right? So we have to understand this backdrop of slavery in the Roman Empire. 60 million of the, half the country are slaves and half of the slaves are Christians. In this letter, we see, get this now, we see Paul use strength and tact. Two things, write them down. Strength and tact. We should all be able and ready to use strength and tact when we are talking about what is right and what is wrong in this world or in our nation, okay? Look for these things as we study through the night, all right? Strength and tact. And with that, let's go to Philemon chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. So he is enlisting Philemon's sympathy here, okay? He's contrasting uh, his own sacrifice with that of the sacrifice that he's about to ask him to make here, right? Uh, Philemon, uh, he was likely converted during Paul's third uh, and uh, three-and-a-half-year ministry uh, at Ephesus. Now, by including Timothy here, he says, me, Paul, and Timothy, by including Timothy, he's greeting, uh, uh, he's, he's subtly reminding Philemon that Christians are united as brothers in the faith. Paul is going to bring this point home here, okay? He's going to bring this point home in verse 16 when he identifies Onesimus as a brother who will therefore deserve the same love, all right? So, here we go. Verse 2. Let's keep reading. To the beloved Aphia, Archippus, and our fellow soldier, and to the church 
in your house. Uh, interesting point to make here, guys, is that uh, the first churches were located uh, in houses, and they were located in houses until about 200 AD. Church in the sense that we think about we go to a church building, that really didn't come around until the third century, and then they became institutionalized and everything else. Athia was Phil uh, Philemon's wife. She would have to she would have overseen the slaves' day-to-day -day responsibilities. So her response to this letter that Paul is writing is going to be pretty big and pretty important. So that's not lost on Paul, don't you know? So he's going to ask, he's going to ask uh, uh, Philemon, a, uh, Philemon a favor regarding a slave that the wife typically would oversee. So he mentions her here, all right? That's not accidental, okay? Uh, Archippus may have been his son, uh, but and then he says, and the church members. So by including, essentially, he's mentioning all these people by including church members in the greeting. They know that that's to them as well. Okay, and the letter is going to be circulated through the whole church. The church by but by including the church members in the greeting, the charge uh, or the request that's about to come from Paul, it's going to become their responsibility as well, not just Philemon. Okay, let's read verse three. Grace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, in other words, unmerited favor of God. And peace, shalom to you. Uh, you know, Paul uses the word grace often in his greetings. And in every one of his letters, he closes by using the word grace. I love this uh, 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 quote by Chuck Missler. He says this. He says, we have to remember in studying through the New Testament, especially Paul's letter, that there is no grace unless God bestows it and no real peace unless it flows forth from God's reconciliation with sinful men. And not just as we study the Bible, right? We need to remember that every day in our lives, that there is no grace unless God bestows it and no real peace in your life. So if you're somebody who's struggling with peace in your life and this peace you just can't find, there's no real peace unless it flows forth from God's reconciliation with sinful man. Let's keep reading verse 4. I thank my God. I thank my God, he says, making mention of you always in our prayers. Now, <clears throat> we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Paul said something like this. When Paul says always, do you think that he means always or do you think he's just using a figure of speech? I think that he means always. I think he always remembers Philemon <clears throat> when he's praying for him. Always in my prayers. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. You know, Paul, Paul is probably glad to hear about this love. He's, he just said it. I hear about, I'm hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. He's probably happy that he's been hearing this uh, about him because he's about to ask uh, for a further demonstration of this love that he's been hearing about. There are seven terms that are going to be introduced here in the next few verses. Can we take a look at those seven terms? He's going to mention love, prayers, sharing, uh, partnering, He's going to mention the good or goodliness. He's going to mention the heart and the refreshing. So seven terms here in just a few short verses he's going to be mentioning, okay, and then reiterating throughout the rest of the letter. Let's keep reading. That the sharing of your faith, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement 
of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Okay, so he's alluding to acts of merit here. He's alluding, you have been a refreshing to your brothers and sisters. You can really see that Paul is really forming this. And what did we, what did we say uh, in the beginning as we studied this letter? We're going to see Paul demonstrate a lot of strength. What two words do you remember? Strength and tact. Strength and tact. Don't forget that tonight as we study. You're going to see this on display. Strength and tact, all right? So let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 8. Therefore, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet, verse 9, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. You know, being such as one, being such a one as Paul, the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, He's saying, you know, I could command you. I could just demand, command. Remember, Paul often speaks in military terms. He, he's, Paul thinks kingdom, right? So he is a commander in the Lord's army. He's an ambassador uh, of the Lord's uh, uh, kingdom here and now in this, uh, on this earth. So he's saying, I could command you, but out of respect, for the good that you've done in the past, I'm going to let you make the right decision on your own. You get that? Do you feel that strength? Do you, do, but do you hear that tact as well? I'm going to let you make the right decision on your own. It kind of makes me think about how we handle our children in a way, right? You explain it to them. You start seeing them lean, you ask them questions about what decision are you going to make. You're trying to lead them and they start going off track and you're like, Hang on, bring it back over here. You, what's the right decision? You're going to make the right decision here, right? So uh, he also in this passage, he reminds uh, Philemon that he is the elder. He's the elder, nearly 60 years old at this point is Paul, right? So uh, he's reminding him of the sacrifices that he's making. And the sacrifices that Paul is making far exceed that of what he's asking, far exceed uh, that of what he's asking. So, again, let's keep reading and look for strength and tact as he keeps reading. I appeal to you. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten. This is a powerful word here. This, is means, this means he has become a father to him, okay? whom I have begotten. Paul references this, this uh, idea as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. You know, becoming, through becoming a new creation, okay, uh, Paul has been like a, become like a spiritual father to Onesimus, as we are spiritual brothers and sisters now, okay? So, I, have, uh, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So he obviously, Onesimus, he obviously had a bad uh, attitude. He obviously had a bad attitude at one point before he took off, right? But now Paul is saying in his, in his strong, yet tactful, yet leading letter, he's saying, he's changed. He's changed. 
Verse 12. What else does he say? I'm sending him back. I'm sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is my own heart, my own flesh and blood would be a further translation of this. My own heart, my own flesh and blood. Verse 13, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. He's saying, you owe me, you owe me this at least, at least. I ought to ask you to come uh, uh, and ought to let ask you to come and sit here by by me and aid me and help me. Okay, so in uh, in other words, I ought to let ask you just to let him stay. Period. Rather than ask you to let him come home unpunished, or some believe it's a, an ask for his freedom, even. Okay, but we'll get to that. All right. So he's saying you owe me this at least. You know. The problem is, though, is that, you know, Onesimus, his conversion, his conversion changed him eternally, right? But his conversion did not alter his legal position, nor did it cancel his debt to the law or his master. But at the end of the day, he's still just a slave on the run. He's still a slave on the run. But it did give him, it did give him, of course, a new standing before God and a new standing before the church, which is important because he's writing, he's writing to a Philemon who has a church in his home, as many did. So Onesimus' standing being changed before God and before the church, this is a big deal. So Paul's leaning on that, all right? Verse 14. But without your consent, without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. So this is, this is good, all right? We have to remember, church, this is important, all right? We have to remember that love cannot be compelled and love cannot be forced. You know, I wish I could just make everybody love Jesus, right? I wish I could just make everybody be honest and true and their yes be yes and their no be no, I, right? I, don't we wish that we could just fix people or make people? You can't fix people, okay? You can't make somebody love Jesus. You can't make somebody love you. It makes me think of uh, one of these old, one of my uh, favorite songs, older songs uh, by Bonnie Raitt. Does anybody... In the uh, thread here, remember Bonnie Raitt's comment for me. I can't be the only one who's old enough to have Bonnie Raitt CDs. She's probably still making CDs. Or Now I'm really dating myself with the CD thing. But uh, she's probably still making uh, music on Spotify or the digital platforms right now. Bonnie Raitt, anybody? Let's take a look at this quote. It makes me think of this. She said this in one of, one of her most famous songs. I can't make you love me if you don't. I can't make your heart feel something it won't. Am I right? You guys remember that song, don't, don't you? Beautiful song. And I can't believe I worked a Bonnie Raitt song into my sermon somehow. Uh, not surprising them, right? So, with, uh, without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, he said. That your good deed might not be done by compulsion, as it were, but volunteer. I want you to choose this, all right? Because I want it to be real. I want it to be genuine. I want you to genuinely receive him as your brother. I want you to genuinely love him, all right? So that means Paul knows that 
that he has to choose to do this on his own and he can't be persuaded or strong-armed into it. Although you can feel Paul leaning on him a little bit, you know. But keep in mind, Paul is his spiritual father. Keep in mind that Paul is his teacher. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. For perhaps, perhaps, maybe, just maybe, right, <laughs> he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. In other words, you lost him for a few months, Keep in mind, the unfortunate reality and backdrop of this is slavery, and he was very expensive, right? Onesimus, the name means prosperous, by the way. Obviously, he wasn't very prosperous before he left. However, so in other words, Paul is saying you lost him for a few months, but now you have him as a brother forever. Look at it this way, Paul sang. Perhaps this is why he left in the first place, right? Don't we talk in those terms all the time? I don't know why things are going the way that they are. I don't know why things are going the way that they are with this election, right? All this being drawn out stuff and, and reports of uh, fraudulent ballots and everything else. You could, why, you know, God, why couldn't it be just been smooth or gone uh, cleanly or whatever? You know, I've heard somebody say, well, you never know. Maybe, maybe it had to happen like this. So irregularities could be revealed, perhaps even so crimes could be revealed or fraud be revealed. I don't know. Or perhaps, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I just, that's what we're saying here. Paul, Paul, don't we say that a lot? I don't know why that happened. You know, but I guess if that wouldn't have happened, then I never would have been here. And then I would have never met that person. And, and that person never would have come into our fellowship. And then that person would have never been saved. And you can do that all day long. And don't we do it all the time? Here we have a great example of Paul saying, hey, I don't know. You know, it could be, uh, could be, uh, Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, to get saved, that you might receive him forever. I love it. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Underline that if you're an underliner with us tonight, because that is not, he's not just saying brother, but a beloved love, okay? Uh, this is one of your brothers and sisters in Christ, the kind of love you have for them, especially to me. But how much more to you now, both in the flesh and in the Lord? He was once your slave, but now he's your brother. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Philemon, Philemon, isn't that good news? My goodness. By the way, pardon me. If I'm saying Philemon a few different ways, it's, I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Philemon, Philemon. One of my favorite teachers just says Philemon. Uh, Philemon is another teacher online, says it that way. And that, but the actual uh, Speak Greek app says uh, uh, Philemon, right? So uh, anyway, you know who I'm talking about. We're all reading this together. I, 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 you say tomato, I say tomato. What's the difference, right? So um, let's keep reading. Uh, we read 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but now to you. Okay, so he say, what's he saying here? He's saying, don't focus on the fact that he deserted. All right? Don't focus on the fact that he deserted. Focus on the fact uh, that, that what was evil, what was evil has been turned to good here. Okay? It's reminiscent, <clears throat> it's reminiscent of Joseph in uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Right? What did Joseph say to his brothers? He said, what you meant for evil, 
the Lord has now turned and used for good. What you meant for evil and selling me into slavery, right? He was a slave and then he rose to power, second most powerful person in Egypt, uh, and then ultimately aided his family. And all the Jewish people then came uh, and were in Egypt for, you know, 400 years. But uh, ultimately he's saying, look, what, what you meant for evil, the Lord has taken and used for good. Paul's saying, don't focus on the fact that he deserted. Focus on this fact. You lost a slave, but you gained a brother. Hmm? It's incredible. Uh, Philemon, being a Christian, you know, we can assume, think about this though, we can assume that he and his family had witnessed to Onesimus. All right? Wouldn't you? Don't we? I mean, you know Jesus. Imagine you have people that work in your house that don't know Jesus. Aren't you going to share the Lord with them? Uh, 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 and that was a very common thing to do among Christians because, like I said, half the slaves in the Roman Empire became Christians. Okay? So obviously there was a lot of witnessing happening to them. So think about this. We can assume that he and his family had witnessed to Onesimus. So this might be an answer to prayers even. This might be an answer to prayers for their whole family. He left as a slave, but he returned as a brother. That's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. But uh, Philemon had a dilemma, though. He had a dilemma. Can I see that next graphic? Hmm. If he was too easy on Onesimus, it might influence other slaves to become Christians I'm doing the quotation fingers, become Christians, right? In order to influence their masters. They could use it as a manipulation tool, perhaps. And if he was too hard, it could hurt his witness with the church in Colossae. Hmm, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting dilemma he's facing himself, okay? And don't we find ourselves with those dilemmas all the time as well, huh? Well, how, I, how do I handle this? You know, because if I handle it this way, I'm going to hear it from them, and I'll hear it from them. But if I handle it that way, I'll hear it. Maybe I won't hear it from them, but I'll really hear it from them. And you know what I'm saying, vice versa. And how much more <laughs> in these times do we face that, uh, uh, those decisions to make, right? Who's looking forward to talking about politics at Thanksgiving, huh? right? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Whoa, that is the big ask right there. I mean, that's, that's strong words, church. This is Paul, okay? He's he probably led Philemon to the Lord, all right? He is responsible for planting all these churches in the region, all right? This is the Paul, and he says, if you count me as your partner, and that means partner, partner in evangelism, partner in the kingdom, partner in advancing the gospel of Christ, okay? Don't you want to be Paul's partner as a Christian? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, we all do, okay? If you count me as a partner, then here's the deal. Receive him as you would me. How, would you, how do you expect they would receive Paul? I think they'd probably roll out the red carpet, all right? I think they, they'd probably get, be given uh, some serious royal treatment, okay? And not that they would have the wealth or the ability to, but if they owned slaves like this, then they would. I'm sure they'd roll out the, the royal carpet. 
In other words, he's saying, if you receive him as you would receive Paul, that means in the family circle. Into the family circle. Get that? A slave in the family circle. Verse 18, let's keep reading. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Wow. This is pretty interesting. This is pretty interesting because Onesimus, he may have robbed Philemon. Uh, he may have robbed him of a, sub a substantial amount of money. Honestly, how else would he get to Rome? He may have robbed him of money uh, to run off to Rome. Uh, Paul says, in other words here, put it on my bill. Put it on my credit card. <laughs> and that is so cool and so beautiful and so awesome, isn't it? Because that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. Exactly what he's done for us. It takes more than love to solve a problem, church. Don't you know? Love must pay a price. Love must pay a price. The debt must be paid here. Okay? And this is actually something called the doctrine of imputation. If you're studying what Christ has truly done for us, it's a doctrine of imputation. He has paid our debts, in other words, right? My sins, in other words, are put on his account. And the treatment that I deserve, he takes. He is treated how I should be treated, and my sins are put on his account. And that is what Jesus has done for us, and that's what Paul is asking uh, uh, Philemon to do for Onesimus right here. Put it on my card. <laughs> Put it on my bill, right? Verse 19, let's keep reading. We're almost there. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. This is big because he had a scribe usually that would write the letters for him, John Mark in some cases. But here you can imagine Paul reaching his hand through the bars to sign his name, sign uh, his signature. I'm writing with my own hand here, he says. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Wow. So here it appears that Paul is calling on the fact that he may have been the one to lead Philemon to the Lord. Verse 20 then reads, Yes, brother, yes, indeed. Uh, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Paul has got him cornered here, doesn't he? He has laid it down. This is strength intact. Remember, have you been seeing strength intact in this letter as we've been reading? Uh, Paul has got him right where he wants him. He's got him cornered, you know, since he is already, he, Paul has already stated that you have refreshed the hearts of the saints all the way back in verse 7, if you remember. You've refreshed the hearts of the saints. He said that before. Uh, since he's already done that, don't neglect now the opportunity to refresh my heart, right? Don't neglect the opportunity to, to refresh Paul's heart here, he's saying. Verse 21, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Even more than I say. Even more than I say. You know, this issue of slavery, it's a big one because the Bible is all about liberty. Isn't that freedom in Christ? It is for Christ. It is for freedom that you've been set free, for Christ's sake that you've been set free. Uh, can I see this next graphic? Let's talk candidly here. 
about condemning slavery. Paul did not condemn slavery in his writings. And a lot of people uh, uh, on the left or cynics of the scriptures will tell you that, you know, well, why didn't he condemn slavery if there was that much slavery? If the Bible's all about freedom, why is there no condemning of slavery? Yada, 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 you hear that stuff, right? Well, Paul, he didn't condemn slavery in his writings, but he had many words for both slaves and masters in his writings. In fact, he encouraged slaves to obtain their freedom if they could in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And he instructing slaves to turn, you got to understand this, guys, that instructing slaves to turn on their master in that day would have brought about heinous atrocities and bloodshed upon the slaves. You know, God used Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, and in Persia. He used Esther and Nehemiah in Persia. Throughout history, believers have served God in all kinds of positions, either through slave, both as slaves and both as free. Actually, Joseph, Daniel, and Esther, I mentioned those three specifically because they would serve, they would all serve as slaves and as free men and women. Verse 22. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. In other words, he's saying, do you get this, church? I'm coming to check up and see how this goes. I'm coming to see how this goes over, okay? I'm coming to see how you treat Onesimus, okay? Paul was writing this letter during his first imprisonment period. During his first imprisonment, not the second one that we just got done studying through the other sermon series. Uh, series. Um, Verse 22, or 23, then he writes his farewells. He says, uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you, as do Mark, that's John Mark, uh, Aristarchus, Aristarchus, that's a tough one, Demas, this is interesting here. I might want to, we're going to come back, put a pin in Demas, all right? Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, uh, Epaphras, Epaphras, he was, this is an interesting guy that he mentions here because he was instrumental in the conversion of the church in Colossae, which is where they are, okay? He was instrumental, instrumental in planting that church, beginning that church, and many other churches throughout the Lycus region where Coloss was, Colossae was. Uh, now, we, we know Mark and we know John, like I said, but Demas, Demas, interestingly enough, we find in the scriptures, would later uh, abandon. He would later desert. Of Demas, uh, Calvin, John Calvin uh, wrote this. He wrote, and if of Paul's assistance, if one of Paul's assistants became weary and discouraged and was afterward drawn away by the vanities of the world, let none of us rely too heavily on our own zeal. Do you hear me now? Boy, don't we get zealous sometimes. We get worked up emotionally. We're excited about the love of Jesus, excited about what he's done in our life, excited about the thought about what he's going to do with our church, excited about the thought of what he's going to do in our lives and how he's going to use us. We get zealous, zealous, zealous. And here Calvin saying, if Paul, if even one of Paul's assistants, okay, can just get tired and worn down and wore out and drawn away by the vanities of the world, let none of us rely too heavily on our own zeal lasting even one year. 
but remembering how much the how much of the journey still lies ahead let us ask god for steadfastness church we have a mandate to finish well we have a mandate to finish well do you get that do you hear that do you feel that staying the course is always the trademark of success for real hear me on that and even if you're in business in the business world finance world whatever world staying the course is always the trademark of success how many have quit just before the breakthrough comes huh many 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 staying the course is always the trademark of success we as christians hear me now come on i'm gonna get fired up hear me now we have a mandate to finish well verse 25 let's wrap this up the grace of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit amen I can't forget to read that because paul always concludes every epistle with the word what is it grace so quickly just through the study here there's a summary of values that we have found as we read now as we read i hope you've seen demonstrated strength and what tact how does he how does he address this brother in in christ though they may have differences though he's with strength and tact strength and tact but here are some other values that we pull out of this text take a look this is from the koinonia institute personal value in the light of paul's character personal value ethical value because of the focusing on what is right focus on what is right not on what was lost not on the offense for that we, we have see the lessons to focus on what is right we also see a providential value okay we learn that god is behind and behind all events okay he's behind all events but remember the verse perhaps this is why he left in the first place right i don't know i don't know why things are happening in the world the way they are right now i, I mean it's don't you i think there's a, a lot of uh you know what do they call them armchair quarterbacks or monday morning quarterbacks or couches that look back on game day and they say jesus should have done that they should have done that they should have done that in the game right uh i think that a lot of us if we're thinking of uh, an end time scenario we would all do it differently than things are playing out right now in the world but that's not for us to say and don't you know his ways are higher and his ways always end up being better in the end um because they're his ways and don't we know that things are going to go the way that he needs them to go to fulfill his promises but there's some there's a lot of gray area in there too guys okay that we're going to touch on here briefly let's go back to the list okay god is behind all events sorry for that typo there there's practical value application of highest principles to the commonest affairs even in the smallest little things there the, we still apply godly principles that means if it's a big deal worth millions of dollars you apply integrity character and principles right and if it's a small thing uh like hey receive him into your home be gracious to him accept him as a brother in christ and don't you know don't look down on him being and gossip about him you know and that's another point by the way why i think he addressed the whole church put the responsibility on the whole church in the letter put the responsibility on the wife as well cuz he didn't want to send Onesimus back and have have Philemon take him back because Paul's 
leaning on him hard to, and when, even if Philemon does the right thing and takes him back, everybody's gossiping about how he shouldn't have taken him back or how he should have punished him. No, Paul put the onus on all of them, as it is on all of us as well. So let's go back to the list. All right, practical value, highest principles to the commonest affairs from big to little. Evan evangelical value for us in this letter, encouragement to seek and to save the lowest. And it wasn't a slave the lowest, seeking to save the lowest. Social value, presentation of the relation of Christianity to slavery and all unchristian institutions. And slavery is indeed an unchristian institution. And the spiritual value that we find here, the analogy between it and the Gospels. The grace that Paul is asking Philemon to show Onesimus is the same grace that we receive from Jesus. And I love this at the very bottom. Martin Luther's commentary on this uh, short little letter uh, said that we are all, we are all Onesimuses, and we need that grace in the same way that he did. Amen? Somebody say amen. I hope you guys have been chatting and saying amen if you haven't been get busy, all right? Because I'm going to check up on this. I'm going to come to you, right? Okay. So, mm, we are all Onesimuses. We are all slaves to sin. We can't run away, but guess what? Here's the good news. Jesus has set us free. Jesus has set us free, hasn't he? A beautiful picture of what God has done for us. Jesus says, charge it to my account. Now, earlier I said, I said in this letter, we will see Paul use the strength and tact that we should all be able and ready to use when speaking out for what's right, okay? Did you see it as we read? Yes? Comment for me? Yes, yes, yes? All right. I know it's easy to get weary, okay? I know it's easy to get weary. Demas got weary. Demas bailed, right? I know it's easy to get weary, especially when it's self-professing Christians who give you the most trouble half the time. Am I right? I mean, how many arguments are we having to engage in right now with people that ultimately, truly should know better if they're truly Holy Spirit-led? But we must continue on in strength and intact, okay? If your strength is failing, lean on a brother or sister's shoulder, okay? If you've lost the patience for tact, then bite your tongue if you have to, all right? We have been given a mandate by God to remain steadfast and to finish well. Come on now. Somebody say, amen. Finish well. Boy, don't you know, don't you feel the end is near? Don't you feel the return of Jesus is near? Don't you feel just in the motion of the world right now? Things are moving. Nations are moving. Positions are changing. Things are falling into place. We need to finish well, church. The enemy is playing chess right now. Don't be caught playing checkers, all right? And don't let him run you off the board. Hear me now. So... How do you think all of this is relevant for us today, huh? Well, in the spirit of Veterans Day, I want to share this with you. I want to share a few things with you guys. It's Veterans Day, right? And we thank all of those men and women who have served in our United States military. Uh, 
It was in January 1776. In January 1776 that Thomas Paine first published what would be the first in a series of pamphlets called a pamphlets called Crisis. Crisis. In these pamphlets, he would uh, argue for a republic form of government based uh, on a written federal constitution. Hmm. It played a key role, as you could imagine. It played a key role in rallying Americans for independence. The first paragraph of the first chapter in the first publication, January 1776, reads as such. These are times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Amen? Amen? Would you say that it is relevant for us today to be strong yet tactful yet remain steadfast and finish well? Would you say so? I'll give you another one. John Maxwell Edmonds. John Maxwell Edmonds was a university professor at Cambridge before World War I. He was a, a classicist and a poet turned code breaker during World War I. In 1918, he penned the famous phrase that now commemorates uh, the war cemetery, war cemetery of the Battle of Kohima. And it reads as such. When you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow we gave our today. John Maxwell Edmonds, February 6th, 1918. And lastly, lastly, I'll give you this one. In Ronald Reagan's first inaugural address, he told a story of a serviceman. Let me read it to you, straight from his speech. In 1917, a private Martin A. Triptow left his job at a barber shop in his small hometown of Cherokee, Iowa, to enlist in the Army National Guard. On the eve of the First World War, Treptow was called into active duty. He soon found himself fighting in France on the western front of the 168th Infantry of the 42nd Division. Treptow was killed on the western front while trying to deliver a message between battalions that were under heavy artillery fire. On his body was found a diary, and under the flyleaf was a page titled My Pledge. In it, Treptow had written, America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure, I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue 
of the whole struggle depended on me alone. The church, what did these men fight for? What did these men fight for? What did they stand against? They fought for freedom. That's, that's what we celebrate today, the veterans who has served for, in our military. Why? For the defense of freedom. They fought for freedom. They stood against the same evil that would cover the whole earth today if, if, it, if we let it. If we let it, church, call it fascism call, if it, when it's in vogue to say so, call it socialism, call it communism. If it's anti-freedom, it is anti-Christ. That's what it is, church. That's what it is. If it's anti-freedom in any, in any regard, you want to you wanna limit my speech and call me uh, enact hate speech laws? You want to tell me I can't leave my house? With these quarantines, mask mandates, you want to you want to control my decisions that I make for my health, right? Any infringement on liberty and on freedom is anti-Christ, church. Anti-Christ. Mm. Do you know what else I take away from this study tonight? You want know to also take away from this study tonight the media team earlier this week shared a quote of mine from Sunday. Uh, it's on the Facebook page. Uh, Carolyn did a beautiful job making the graphic. Uh, it said something to this effect. Jesus is still on the throne. Did you know that Jesus is still on the throne in communist China? He is indeed. Amen. Somebody say amen. That's the truth. Even in communist China, uh, the, the, the people that are meeting in a dark basement surrounded by one light bulb and having to memorize the Bible because if they're caught with one, they'll be killed, right? Or put into a re-education camp. Jesus reigns in their hearts. Even in the hearts of his people, Jesus reigns. Even in communist China, he is on the throne. And he is on the throne, isn't he? We agree? History has shown us, and this letter is a great example of that. History has shown us that Jesus can be on the throne while you're a slave. While you're a slave, he can still be on that throne. Okay? So do you want to be a slave? Do you want to be a slave? The founding fathers didn't want to be slaves to England. The abolitionists didn't want African Americans, or Irishmen for that matter, to be slaves. They didn't want them to be. It's unconscionable, hear me now, church, it's unconscionable that Pastor John Piper would tell his people to sit out the election when full-term abortion, when full-term abortion, the Second Amendment, and religious liberties are on the ballot. Because they were. They're on the ballot, clear as day. And if you're unaware of that, I would implore you to become more engaged politically, more engaged in the process. <sighs> Me personally, I'll stand uh, with Miles Monroe, who said, where, where was the Christian? Where was the Christian church when one woman, and it only takes one, a few can affect 
uh, uh, the destiny of a nation, by the way, the destiny of uh, 63 million people, by the way. Where was the Christian church when one woman walked before the Supreme Court and demanded that she be allowed to kill her unborn baby? Where was the Christian church crying out in the street and rejecting that decision? <sighs> The founding fathers of this nation said, no, we'll take liberty. We'll take freedom. Benjamin Franklin, woman asked him as he was walking out of the Pennsylvania courthouse, and she said, what is it, sir? And he said, what do he say? Come on, you know it. A republic, if you can keep it, but you'll have to keep it. Ronald Reagan famously said, you know, uh, liberty, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. I'm looking at you, and if I'm looking at you in this camera, if you're watching this right now, did you really think that you wouldn't face a time and a place where you would have to fight for liberty? Every generation, every 50, 70 years, there's an attack on liberty. And it's to you. It's to us to be the defenders of it, the protectors of it. I said it before, it is more important today than ever before that we, the church, and all freedom-loving Americans proceed, proceed with strength and tact and steadfast endeavor to finish well. Amen? Strength, tact, a steadfast endeavor to finish well. We're at a crossroads in this nation. I know you know that. I know you feel that. We're at a crossroads in this nation uh, where, where slavery, can I see that graphic, that graphic? Where slavery, freedom, love, and duty intersect. That's the crossroads that we are at in this country, where slavery, freedom, and love, and duty intersect. I'll give you one, I'll give you one more as we close here. I joked on uh, Sunday about how I actually, I actually worked Braveheart and the movie Gladiator into one sermon. I love, I love uh, uh, um, you know, adding a little pop culture touch to, to the message I bring sometimes. So I, I, got, I threw one in here at the last for you guys. And I just, honestly, I think, it, I think it is right in line with where we're at and what... Uh, what we're dealing with, and honestly, the anxiety that many, many Christians feel right now. Look, I don't look, guys. If you're anxious and you're fear, fearful, you need to cast that out. All right, the, for the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's you. We need to move forward with what strength? Yes. Be strong. Be bold. Strong for the truth. If you're not, if you don't feel strong. Pray to God that he give you strength and he'll give you strength. That's a promise. Pray to God that he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. That's a promise. All right? Strength. Be tactful. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be a jerk, right? I know you're mad and you're sick of it, a lot of the different stuff, but you use tact and be strong. Speak the truth in a strong manner, but with tact and be steadfast in your endeavor to finish well. Okay? Um, Let's have that quote, shall we? Frodo said, this comes from the Fellowship of the Ring, of course. I wish it indeed, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. 
So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. It's not for us to decide either, church. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And there it is, church. What we have to decide is what to do with the time given us. So be strong, be tactful, and endeavor steadfastly to finish well, because indeed these are the times that try men's soul. Proceed with strength, tact, steadfast, endeavor to finish well. Amen? Amen. With every eye closed and every head bowed right now. If the Lord is moving on your heart, I hope you're encouraged tonight. And if the Lord is moving on your heart to, uh, uh, to stand taller, to walk in His strength, if you need to ask for strength from the Lord, if, you need to, if you're so frustrated, you don't have the, you're finding yourself that you don't have the patience to be tactful, we are going to pray for that, whatever it is. Uh, if, if you feel worn out and tired from all this, we're going to, we're going to pray uh, that you uh, uh, continue to push forward, that, that steadfast spirit, the strength would come to you, that you'd be able to, to hold on to finish well, all right? If that's you, I'm just going to speak this blessing over Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the, your goodness, your faithfulness, Lord. We ask for your strength for your people tonight, Lord Jesus. Your church, Lord, embolden us, strengthen us, give us wisdom, Lord Jesus. Wisdom to speak, Father. Patience to speak, Father. But to do so in bold truth, Father, tactfully, Father, that we may change hearts and minds, Father. But also give us discernment to know when we're casting pearls before swine, Lord Jesus. We're speaking to a wall that we need not waste our time, Father. Give us that discernment, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, let us not go weary, Father, as Demas did, and wander off into the vanities of this world, for we just got tired of it, Lord. No, 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 no. Give us encouragement. Encourage our hearts, Father, that you are on the throne and you are in control, Father, and that you are interceding, Father. We speak a prayer for our nation, Father, that justice be served, whatever way it is, Lord Jesus, that, that uh, 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 corruption would be un uh, revealed and exposed if that's your will. And Lord Jesus, just see the hearts of your people, Father. See the hearts of your people, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Receive, receive the petitions of your people right now. Lord, we bring these petitions before your throne. As your word says, you tell us to come boldly. We come boldly, but humbly, Lord. Have your way in our hearts, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Happy Veterans Day. Again, thank you to all of the veterans that are out there for your service. We thank you. Uh, 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. We're going to make the call on Friday, whether we'll be at the retreat or at the Rutledge West. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll keep you posted and let you know as soon as a decision has been made there. Like I said, if it's beautiful, I don't know how many more beautiful days we'll have like that. So we want to take advantage of the retreat if we can. But in any case, we love you guys. Have an, an awesome next couple days. And invite a friend to church on Sunday. All right? That's your challenge. All right? Be bold. Be strong. Let's rally. Let's rally, okay? Let's lift each other's arms. And we love you guys. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Pour favor out on your lives. Go before you. Go before you. May you prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Thank you.